0: Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of worship center. We know just how hard it is to read God's word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea, and I'm here today with Chris, and we are in the last week of reading the Bible
1: chronologically. Wow. <laughs> If you've been with us this entire time, (laughs) congratulations. An
0: imaginary gold star. Yes. (laughs) Um, But I'm just, I'm like, when I realized it, that we're December 26th and we're ending all this with Jude and Revelation, I'm just very excited to talk about all this because all of this is the culmination of everything we've read so far. Um, And there's so much encouragement to have from these books. Um, So if you kind of... View the book of Revelation in particular with fear and trembling. I want to encourage you to be encouraged because um, there's a way to look at Revelation with, wow, this is what's going to happen someday.
1: It's actually pretty cool that we are in the Christmas season because yeah. uh, these books pr- portray the gospel message. Mm-hmm. And like there's even some scenes in Revelation that look an awful lot like the birth of Christ. Yeah. So, yeah, a Christmas stay, you've stay never two, seen before, yes. <laughs> a Christmas card you'll never get
0: All right, so let's start off with Jude, a very, very tiny book of the Bible, um, but I would say very important. Uh, I just want to point out first that Jude is um, the brother of Jesus. He's the author of this book. But what I love about this is as we are reading the greeting from Jude, he introduces himself as a slave to Jesus Christ and a brother of James, not even mentioning that he is the brother of Jesus. Um, so I think there's some humility in there.
1: <laughs> yeah. If I, mean, I was the,
0: if I was related to you, I'd be like, that'd be in all my greetings. <laughs> hey, you know, the
1: Messiah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Related.
1: <laughs> yep. We're family.
0: <laughs> all right. So what stuck out to you in the book of Jude?
1: Well, one of the things that's interesting, if you probably listened very recently, you would have felt like you were hearing some things yeah. that you've already heard some echoes uh which you are because actually the book of Jude and 2nd Peter chapter 2 there's about 70% that is identical. Uh we're not really sure which one was written first. We're not uh it's kind of who was the source document and who was the uh person who thought that it was said in a really good way and wanted to also use it but there's a lot of similar things because they were both dealing with a lot of false teachers and uh really this challenge from both of them is that we need to walk in the truth, know the truth, contend for the faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there were some very similar things that were said there.
0: Yeah, I think um, as we're reading through it, there are some like kind of confusing things. So we have this little sentence in there about... Um, <laughs> The archangel Michael arguing with the devil about Moses' body.
1: (laughs) And also, if you have followed through this entire podcast with us, you might be scratching your head going, did I miss that day? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you did, because it's not in the Bible. (laughs) Um, There are a lot of references back to the Old Testament here. I mean, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, Enoch, all kinds of things uh, in here. But that particular one is not. That's actually from an extra biblical book uh, that was more a source of Jewish tradition. So mm. the audience would have understood what was being talked about, um, but it can't be taken on par with scripture. So. Yeah.
0: And remembering that the, the burial of Moses was unique from anything else in the Bible where God himself buried Moses' body. So it's interesting that there's another detail in here that's like, oh, wow, a lot happened surrounding Moses' body. <laughs> But uh yeah so reading through it there's um a very just there's so much description about what these people who are false teachers do and what how they behave and what they're like um i think it's interesting that they it kind of r- finishes up this description with these people are grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their desires so at the root of their false teaching is just this this urge to satisfy what they want. Yeah, it has they nothing were, to do with Christ. They
1: were promoting a very immoral lifestyle. There was a common philosophy of this period of time that believed that uh, what you did with your body didn't affect your spirit. That you were separate. Uh, and several books of the Bible kind of deal deal with this form of Gnosticism. And uh, once again, that's not a biblical teaching. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, what you do with your body matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you see some of these things that if we stand firm in the truth uh, and live holy lives, it's to people's benefit.
0: Yeah. I love the way that Jude almost ends it of just, he's, while he is not fans of these uh, false teachers, I kind of read this as he's encouraging the people who are reading this letter, who are following Christ to keep pursuing these false teachers and bring them back into the truth. He talks about, um, Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy still uh, to still others, but do it with great caution, um, hating the sin that contaminates their lives. Uh, so just, uh, just good instruction for mm. no no one is too far gone. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Should we jump into Revelation?
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what people are tuning in today for.
0: <laughs> what? Not Jude? <laughs> oh,
1: I mean, there might be a couple Jude fans out there.
0: <laughs> oh, I do want to say Jackie Hill Perry's study on Jude is very very good. If you're interested in doing a, a a long, drawn-out study on a very short book and get a lot out of it, there's a lot of stuff in Jude to get out of. So I recommend her study. It's very good. All right, let's talk about Revelation.
1: Where to start? Where to
0: start. Um, okay, when we're looking at Revelation as a whole, uh, what would you say to the person who is reading it um, for the first time, maybe in, in its entirety, mm-hmm. and not just having verses picked out and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, and I, I think especially uh, in the context of what we're trying to do here on this podcast that we are looking at God's whole story, um, one of the things that is important for us to do in Revelation is to see it in its context with all of Scripture. Uh, it's it's not something that we just want to pick verse, random verses out of, or we have heard a lot of things about this book. and. Uh, we do want to come to it and say, like, okay, what's actually being communicated to the people that this was originally presented to? What is, as John receives this message, who is he giving it to? And we are going to get into the seven churches a little bit uh, in our reading today, that these were actual seven churches. Some of them will be visited before the church Mm -hmm. of Ephesus, Mm -hmm. Um, that they would have been the original recipients of this. And so the first part of Revelation is actually considered to be an epistle, Uh, And later it turns into a different style of literature called apocalyptical literature that we will talk a little bit more about probably in some coming podcasts, because that's a a unique style that we're not familiar with, but that they were. Mm. Uh, But one of the things that I I think is really cool and that we will be able to enjoy is there's so much uh, glimpses and pictures and reminders of what we've already seen on our journey. Uh, There's so many Old Testament references Revelation presents the gospel message in movie form, in very visual, graphic form. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, one uh, quote that I heard from Eugene Peterson, uh, who is the author of The Message, uh, he said that nobody should read the book of Revelation that hasn't read the other 65 books first. Mm. Uh, not that you're going to get in trouble or something if you do, but there's so much imagery that is borrowed and is used that the readers would understand. When we see this, where have we seen this before? Right, um, And I think, especially to the listeners of the podcast that have been with us through the Old Testament, this is going to be fun because you're going to see like, oh my gosh, we. this is not the first time we've talked about these things. Yeah. This is actually so consistent with the entirety of scripture. Uh, and that just is such a beautiful thing when yeah. we were able to see that.
0: Yeah. Health, having a healthy understanding of the Old Testament will help you have a healthy understanding of Revelation. Um, and... I would say if you're if you're reading along with us and you want to really understand Revelation, um, maybe get a Bible that has like those marginal references and notes and stuff because they will always point you back to Ezekiel and Daniel mm-hmm. and Isaiah, all these different books that keep having these themes repeated in Revelation so that you can look at something and say, wait, what? Why are we talking about lampstands? And be like, oh, yeah, we talked about that in Ezekiel or Yeah.
1: And we actually do have a a pretty cool vision to start this book off here in chapter one, uh, that as John's on the Isle of Patmos, which this whole book is also set in the the context of persecution. John has been exiled to Patmos for preaching the gospel. Uh, The Roman emperor of the time was persecuting Christians. So even sometimes when we think that this book inspires fear, that wouldn't make sense to this audience Mm -hmm. because they're already suffering. They don't need more things to be afraid of. Mm Yeah. Uh, and I love how this starts that when John begins to hear this message, he turns and he sees this magnificent vision of of a man. And as we start to see the description of the man, it, it becomes very clear that he's seeing a vision of Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and the first picture that we see is that Jesus is standing in the midst of these seven lampstands. Mm-hmm. And uh, that sounds like a symbol. It actually is borrowed from Zechariah. Uh, That is a symbol that we've seen before. But very uh, clearly in this first chapter, we're told what these seven lampstands are, that they actually represent the seven churches. So this entire book starts with a picture of Jesus amongst his people. Uh, And for that, these churches that are persecuted, that are suffering, that are going through hard times, just that constant simple truth of Jesus is with us. Uh, Everything that follows from this book comes from this place of uh, it's being talked about by Jesus. And he is with his people. He's in their midst. He knows what they're going through. He can identify. And I mean, that alone is a truth that we should carry out of this book with us, that Jesus is with his people.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Um, yeah, so many different references. As like as I was reading through this, and just because we've read through this entire book, um, when it talks about the Son of God whose eyes are like flames of fire, that's from Ezekiel. There's mm-hmm. just like so many just...
1: The reference to Son of Man is from Daniel.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. And Jesus calling himself son of man mm-hmm. over and over again. Um, it's so it's so interesting and uh I hope I don't get emotional about this because 'cause I'm, you know, hormonal and you know <laughs> and, but I'm just like I'm reading these and it is so encouraging. Like uh when I saw him I fell at his feet as if I were dead. That happened already. Like I don't know. And Jesus' message to John is just, don't be afraid. Hmm. The first and the last. I'm the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death in the grave. And to these churches that would have received that and listened to that, knowing that they are being heavily persecuted for their faith, their eyes aren't fixed on their actual problems. Their eyes are fixed on Jesus who holds the keys to death in the grave. So good.
1: Yeah. And as we, then you read through the different things that are said to the churches uh, there's some very specific things that they would understand that's specifically said to them, uh, but in each case there are things that they are doing well. There's things that they could grow in, mm-hmm. uh, and so these are specific messages to the churches. But of course, you know, as we see similar things uh, in our lives or even in the modern day church, there are things that we can glean out of this to to apply.
0: Yeah, definitely, uh, because there's no there's no doubt that revelation does point to like future things um we'll see that as we read throughout the book but there's so much for us here as we're reading again it can't we've said this before but it can't mean anything to us that it doesn't mean for them um so they would have been encouraged to not listen to false teaching mm-hmm. they would have been, cur- been encouraged to um just uh, continue in their suffering and their poverty. All these different things like, to remain
1: true to yeah. their first loves yes. uh, is t- is said to one of the churches.
0: All these things are messages for us as a church today too. It's not just about the future. Like we should be living like this right now. These are great points for discipleship and church building and how we live as believers. It's good stuff. Yeah, I can't wait, guys. Thanks so much for listening today to God's whole story, and we'll be back tomorrow. Bye.
1: See ya. Jude, chapter one, starting in verse one. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all who have been called by God the Father who love you, loves you, and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Dear friends, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only master, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you, though you already know these things, that Jesus first rescued the nation of Israel from Egypt, but later he destroyed those who did not remain faithful. And I remind you of the angels who do not stay within the limits of authority. God gave them, but left the place where they belonged. God has kept them securely chained in prisons of darkness, waiting for the great day of judgment. And don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah and their neighboring towns, which were filled with immorality and every kind of sexual perversion. Those cities were destroyed by fire and serve as a warning of the eternal fire of God's judgment. In the same way, these people who claim authority from their dreams live immoral lives, the Defy authority and scoff at supernatural beings. But even Michael, one of the mightiest of the angels, did not dare accuse the devil of blasphemy, but simply said, The Lord rebuke you. This took place when Michael was arguing with the devil about Moses' body. But these people scoff at things they do not understand. Like unthinking animals, they do whatever their instincts tell them, and so they bring about their own destruction. What sorrow awaits them? For they follow in the footsteps of Cain, who killed his brother. Like Balaam, they deceive people for money, and like Korah, they perish in their rebellion. When these people eat with you in your fellowship meals commemorating the Lord's love, they are like dangerous reefs that can shipwreck you. They are like shameless shepherds who care only for themselves. They are like clouds blowing over the land without giving any rain. They are like trees in autumn that are doubly dead. They bear no fruit and have been pulled up by the roots." They are like wild waves of the sea, churning up the foam of the shamef- their shameful deeds. They are like wandering stars, doomed forever to black as darkness." Enoch, who lived in the seventh generation after Adam, prophesied about these people. He said, listen, the Lord is coming with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on the people of the world. He will convict every person of all the ungodly things they have done and for all the insults ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These people are grumblers and complainers living only to satisfy their desires. They brag loudly about themselves and they flatter others to get what they want. But dear friends, you must remember that what the apostles our Lord, of our Lord Jesus predicted, that they told you in the last times there will be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who were creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them. But you, dear friends, must build each other up in the most holy faith, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bring you to eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his, Before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. Revelation chapter 1. This is a revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, from the sevenfold spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness of these things, the first to rise from the dead and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his his father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Look, he comes on with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world will mourn for him. Yes, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. God, I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands, and standing in the midst of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in the furnace. His voice thundered like the mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth, and his face was like the sun in brilliance when I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death in the grave. Write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Write this to the letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone with the ears must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last who was dead but is now alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they are not, because their synagogue belongs to Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison to test you. You will suffer for ten days, but if you remain faithful, even when facing death, I will give you a crown of life. Anyone with ears must... He must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be harmed by the second death. Write this to this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one with the sharp two-edged sword. I know that you live in the city where Satan has laid his throne, and yet you have remained loyal to me. You refused to die me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you there in Satan's city. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is that, like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them sin by eating food offered to idols and committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sin, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth." Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give some of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give to each one a white stone, and on that stone will be engraved a new name that no one understands except the one who receives it. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Thyatira. This is the message from the Son of God, whose eyes are like flame of fire, whose feet are like polished bronze. I know all the things you do. I've seen your love, your faith, your service, and your patient endurance, and I can see your constant improvement in all these things. But I have this complaint against you. You are permitting that woman, that Jezebel who calls herself a prophet, to lead my servants astray. She teaches them to commit sexual sin and to eat food offered to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to turn away from her immorality." Therefore, I will throw her on a bed of suffering, and those who commit adultery with her will suffer greatly unless they repent and turn away from her evil deeds. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches out the thoughts and intentions of every person, and I will give each to each of you whatever you deserve. But I also have a message for the rest of you in Thyatira who have not followed this false teaching, deeper truths, as they call them, depths of Satan, actually. I will ask nothing more of you except that you hold tightly to to what you have until I come. To all who are victorious, who obey me to the very end, to them I will give authority over all the nations. They will rule the nations with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. They will have the same authority I received from my Father, and I will also give to them the morning star. Anyone with ears to listen must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches.